Jesus, thank you uh, for your word. <clears throat> thank you that we can still meet and learn and grow as your disciples. We give this time to you and pray you'd open our hearts to your uh, word for us this morning in your name. Amen. So what is the text about? Jesus uses the metaphors of sheep herding, shepherding, to describe his relationship to those that follow him. In Israel at this time, the sheepfold was often like a courtyard, either near or beside the house, uh, with a bit of a bordering wall. And sometimes the, there'd be a hired hand who would be right there to kind of guard the sheep. Sometimes there'd be a, an actual door. Sometimes there wouldn't be. Or sometimes the shepherd himself would be there to uh, kind of guard the sheep and keep an eye on them, right? Sometimes they just had their sheep in like caves and other kind of natural formations in the land. And because that was just a lot easier to keep your sheep in. But the question here is all about being part of God's flock. That's what this passage really kind of centers in on. It's a common theme in John's gospel. The people who truly belong to God listen to and believe in the words of Jesus. Now, in the past, when God uh, would appoint human leaders to steward his people. They were often described as shepherds too. You see that in Numbers and Isaiah and Ezekiel and sometimes I, uh, Israel's exodus through Egypt is talked about as a shepherd uh, leading his flock along the way. And so there's a there's a, a real rich Old Testament theme here. There's another aspect of this shepherding that comes from Micah chapter 2 uh, that looked ahead to an end time deliverance when God would come back like a shepherd to rescue his sheep. Uh, this is Micah 2, verses 12 to 13, and it says, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I shall bring together the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture, and the place will throng with people. And so the meaning of this text is found in part when we consider how Jesus is picking up this theme of the relationship between Israel, between his people, and between God. It's often been described as sheep and shepherd. It's one that uh, would have had a depth of meaning for Jesus' first listeners. They would have caught on to that. These are the kind of like the old promises coming to life in Jesus' own words. And when we get to verse 7, we get the first of these two I am statements from this Sunday. First, Jesus is the door. He's the way into the sheepfold. This is a, an off-putting and often offensive claim today. Jesus, we say as Christians, is the only way to be saved, to be made right. He's the answer for the problems in the world. He's the only way to the Father. Uh, he's the only way to eternal life. We don't believe in one faith among many. We don't believe in a, a multi-faith or interfaith that all roads lead to God. In fact, if you actually studied major religions, you find they have very different ends in sight, very different goals. And so to say that all religions are the same uh, just simply isn't true. It ignores how different the claims and the, uh, the desires of different faiths really are. So Jesus says he's the door. Uh, in John 6 verse 44, he'll say, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Jesus is the only way to relationship with God and the Father and the Spirit draw us uh, to new life in through Jesus. And so to repent and believe is to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus is picking up in verse 9 this idea of going in and going out when we're in relationship with God. Uh, it echoes the blessings of Deuteronomy. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Or from Psalms 121 verse 8, the Lord will 
uh, keep or watch over your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. Uh, so there's this idea of Jesus is the door, he's the way to the Father, but he's also the way into an abundant life that we long for. And because he is the door, we can experience the, the blessing of obedience and the, and the provision that God offers us. Uh, think of what Isaiah describes in, in uh, Isaiah 49 verse 10. He says, they will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to springs of water. That's God's heart for you, to lead us into springs of living water. And then notice how Jesus says there are others who will pretend to be leaders, pretend to be the shepherd, those who will uh, try to lead the flock, but these are thieves and robbers. The sheep won't listen to them. Their ways lead to nothing but destruction. They want to come in and steal and kill and destroy, right? They want to harm the sheep for their own self-interest. And so this brings up a really practical question for you. Whose voice are you listening to? Who is the primary voice speaking into your life? Do you make time to hear from God every day in your life? Do you, do you go to God's word? Do you take time to pray? Do you go out for a walk and just enjoy God's creation? Maybe you, uh, maybe you journal. Maybe you need to recall and remember with gratitude what God's done, especially in a difficult season. How do you engage in your relationship with God? Or are you listening to other voices? Are you just pulled in by the latest issue in the media or the latest thing you see on the news? Um, or, or the latest noise about the pandemic, right? And the latest issues. Or the latest teacher who seems to be kind of Christian, but really is peddling some other kind of gospel. Are you more caught up or angered or worried or anxious about the world? Or are you learning to distinguish the voice of Jesus? It's not that being informed is bad, but if it so unsettles you that you are drawn to it for life and meaning and identity, then that thing has become an idol. And for every hour, this is my recommendation, I, I need to learn to do this, for every hour you spend on a screen listening to some noise about something, you need to spend an hour in God's Word. You need to spend an hour listening to His voice, pressing into Him, obeying the Good Shepherd, cultivating a life with him. Jesus statement about the robbers and the thieves also tells us there's real evil in the world and I, I think we're not naive about that but sometimes without realizing it we can let that thief that comes in to steal and kill and destroy we can let him come right into our lives we can let that anger and anxiety and bitterness or animosity towards people just take root in us and that's not the Jesus way. Ezekiel 34, 12 says, As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. Maybe you've been scattered in a cloudy and gloomy day. Jesus wants to pull you out of that. He wants to deliver you and bring you into life. And that's where the passage goes. He calls us into life, into abundant life. Others who may try to play at being Jesus, play at being uh, the source of life for us, that they don't lead to life. They promote their own self-interest. Actually, in the same passage in Ezekiel, uh, there's a word of judgment against the leaders in Israel who have led their people astray and have not cared for the sheep. God says, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. 
And so God himself promises to come and be the good shepherd where his stewards have failed. God says, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And so Jesus is fulfilling as much as we can relate to these metaphors of caring for one another or caring for animals, Jesus is, is picking up this great Old Testament theme of God bringing his people together again, rescuing them, bringing life and wholeness. Jesus doesn't call us to kind of a miserable existence. Uh, he doesn't call us just sort of this lifeless blah kind of thing, right? He's called us into a rich life that is full of joy and full of meaning. It doesn't mean it's always happy. It doesn't mean we're kind of yippy and and kind of naive about the realities and the complexities of life. It doesn't mean there's not room for lament when things are, are sad, when we're grieving, but there's a fullness of life, a deep-seated contentment, a rootedness in joy that God offers us through Jesus. I struggle with, with anxiety, and there's moments where I am feeling overwhelmed by things in the world, but I can rest in the assurance of who God is, and he carries me. There's a deeper joy of knowing I am held by Jesus, and my family is okay, and we're going to make it through whatever this anxiety thing is, uh, whatever the moment is that's kind of spurred it on, that God's got me through it, and that is deeper than the anxiety. If you struggle with mental health issues in your own life or problems, come to Jesus. Let him be the deep-seated uh, source of life, the good shepherd to help see you through. Obviously, go and get other help as well. See a physician. Get outside. Uh, if you need uh, medication because your brain doesn't function the way it should, uh, we, would, we wouldn't be upset by someone uh, putting their arm uh, in a cast if, if their arm wasn't functioning properly, if the bone broke. In the same way, we shouldn't be upset if, uh, if someone's brain chemistry isn't working quite right and we need some medication to help it to function properly it's okay. As a Christian, it's okay. But we still trust and hope. Uh, we know God has got us. He is the great healer. Sometimes he brings healing through uh, the life and hope uh, of wonderful medicine that we know in our time. That's which is just an amazing, amazing gift. But deeper than whatever sort of surface things we can do to help the deeper problems in our life, deeper goes a relationship with Jesus and knowing that he has got us in and through our struggles. I, I wouldn't be able to deal with my own anxieties if I didn't know that Jesus has got me in and through it. Jesus also says in this passage that he is the good shepherd. He's the true shepherd who leads us into life and who will lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus loves you so much, he gave his life for you. And in doing so, he's going to bring in other sheep from other folds. It's sort of a reference to the Jews and the Gentiles are going to come together into one messy excuse me, messianic community. Paul in Ephesians 2 talks about, remember, you were at that time separated from Christ. You were excluded from Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Did you know Jesus is the answer to racism? He is. He breaks down the barriers between people groups. He reconciles us to himself. It's true. It's easy to be upset. It's more difficult to love. But Jesus shows us how. He lays down his life for his enemies in an act of self-giving love. This is the commandment he gives to us to love one another that our joy may be full. 
So what are the implications? That's what the text says. We've looked at what the text means. And now we ask, what are the implications for us to live this text out for today? I think for me, perhaps one of the most challenging things about this passage is not that there's evil in the world, that there's people who do seek to rob and thief. I'm pretty aware of that, right? It's not even that I know Jesus lays down his life for us. I believe that. I, I love him for it. Uh, I've accepted him as my savior. I know that, and many of you know that too. But I was struck this week by the word good, that he's the good shepherd, that he's always good, that he comes to bring life. And the question that I was struck with was, how can that be when so much of our experience doesn't feel like life, doesn't always feel good? And I was listening to a song by singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson, and he has this question, uh, he raises that question, of God's goodness in a song that's called Always Good. And I want you to, I want to read the lyrics to you and, and encourage you to look it up yourself. It's Andrew Peterson's song, Always Good. Listen to the lyrics. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept as she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling, could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, O Lord, and save me. There's nowhere else to go. But you're always good always good. Somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should. You're always good. It's so hard to know what you're doing. Why won't you tell it all plain? You said you'd come back on the third day, but Peter missed it again and again. So maybe the answer surrounds us, but we don't have eyes to see that you're always good. Always good. This heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could. You're always good. As we try to believe what is not meant to be understood, will you help us to trust your intentions for us are still good? Because you laid down your life and you suffered like I never could. You're always good. Will you help us believe that your intentions for us are still good. Even in the sadness and the pain of life, even in the sickness and the despair, even in the doubt or the worry or the fear, Jesus has us, he loves us, he keeps us, he will see us through. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus, the good shepherd, and receive from him that promise of abundant life. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for my friends who are watching and listening here today. May you meet them in the place of their deepest need. May you keep us attuned to your voice, God. Help us to focus and to trust in you. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for those who are suffering. Be comfort and hope and peace today. Give wisdom to our leaders. Guide the hands of our politicians and decision makers. Lord, bless those as they head into their week those that are heading into work, heading into caring for family or loved ones. Lord, be with us all. Help us to live out the hope we have in you. In your name, amen. Well, friends, we love you. Have a great week and receive this benediction. As children of God who are loved and forgiven in our Lord Jesus Christ, may you know the voice of the Good Shepherd and learn to follow him. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. I do love you. Have a great week. Bless you.